Welcome to your Making It Worse. We're here, we're queer, who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer. And I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. Okay, so President Trump a couple weeks ago had, hopefully, when if people listening to this in the future are hearing that he lost an election, that would be very nice. Yeah. Wouldn't that be God, nice? That would be wouldn't very be nice. God Every willing. time I say President Trump now, I always, I, I, like, I, I preface this by being like, oh my God, wait, in a couple of weeks, this might be old news, and people might oh, be like, you mean yes. loser President Trump. Yeah, so anyway, yes. President Trump hopefully. at the first debate um, famously refused to disavow white supremacy and told these groups to stand back and stand by or whatever he said. Uh, and that that sort of cast a spotlight on a lot of these white supremacist groups, Proud Boys in particular, and the groups that sort of support President Trump. They kind of, it kind of gave them a spotlight that I don't think they necessarily deserved, but whatever. And in doing that, there was this sort of focus on how, you know, this one group, Proud Boys, is, it's large, it's of course mostly male. Its whole goal is to sort of fight back against sort of the attack on masculinity in this country. And it's, they're largely white, they're largely heterosexual. You get, you, and they, they right. say they, they pride themselves on um, chauvinism. Yes, yeah. You get, you get the picture. Naturally, they love Trump. Right. They love, love, love Trump. And so gay right. men decided on social media, Twitter, Instagram, et cetera, to, you know, maybe reclaim the term Proud Boys by using the hashtag Proud Boys and showing vagrant displays of faggotry. We're talking mm. like as queer as you can get. It was these pictures of sort of these. It's queer as a three dollar bill. Queer as a three dollar. A queer as a cat's fart. It is. Oh. It it was it was out there, and they used oh. the hashtag Proud Boys to sort of reclaim the term Proud Boys. Mm. And I mean, it's cheeky, it's fun, whatever. But there were people out mm. there who felt that it was crossing a bit of a line. Um, some of the some sure. of the quotes and tweets were. The use of gay pride as a response to white nationalist bigotry is most dangerous in that it overlooks the truth that nearly all the evils we associate with Proud Boys are alive and well within our own community. That's the general sentiment um, from from Mm. one user. And the newly minted Proud Boys hashtag of gay Twitter, let this misstep be not just a photo op, but an opportunity opportunity to reflect on what compels you to perform activism rather than do it. So it was very... I'm like, I'm already tired. Wait, th- sorry. You're saying some? They were saying that that it was performative. That it was performative. Right, but spotlighting the Proud Boys is a way to ignore the the potential for Proud Boyism within the gay community. Well, it it was more of a seen as like a it was a photo op activism opportunity for people rather than a legitimate mem- a moment of activism of actively doing mm. something that could better the community and fight racism yeah. within the community. I mean, ultimately it was trolling. Yeah, it was trolling. It was trolling Proud <laughs> yeah. Boys. And the Proud Boys um, sort of leader right now, Enrique Tario, I think his name is. Um, Wait, that's a curveball, by what? the way. Yes. Uh, the Proud Boys leader is is named Enrique, Enrique Tario. Well, I mean, Tario? There's, there's been all kinds of articles, too, on sort of like you, the people of color that are within the Proud Boys <laughs> organization and how... Sure. The, I mean, it's like it's like it's like people of color who support Trump in a lot of ways. There's a lot of arguments of sort of the whole self-hating and like the whole that whole level that I'm not qualified to speak on. Right. But that said, he right, right. he found the protest hysterical and said this isn't something that's offensive to us. It's not an insult. We aren't homophobic. We don't care who people sleep with. People think it's going to bother us, and it doesn't. And 
It's like this arrogant I straightness I... that I think Proud Boys personifies. And in doing this protest, it kind of just brought out more arrogance in a way. I guess I always associated Proud Boys also with white nationalism, but is that not no? It is true. It is true. They are associated or is with it white. just chauvinism. They are, it's both. Uh-huh. There, but you could you could also make an argument that white nationalism is a part of chauvinism. Um, sure, but, but yeah, 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 it is very much associated with white nationalism. Very much. Okay. All right. Yeah. So that. So that, yeah. I guess I am still a little befuddled by Enrique's, but look, God love him. I guess. Actually, no. I don't have to. I don't have to say that. I don't have to defend Enrique. Um, yeah, but I mean, what was your take? Did you I mean, like a, a, a part of me? I get. I get why. Fundamentally, I get why gay people, gay gay men specifically, gay white men predominantly, went into this hashtag. Although George Takai um, was sort of the one who sort of started the parade, if you will, for gay people reclaiming Proud Boys hashtag. And there was a yeah. real split in the community of sort of like. Should we even be endorsing this? Because in a weird way, I found it to be, even though we're reclaiming a hashtag for like a week and it's trending for a week, you're still doing the right. same thing that the moderator did during the debate and shining a spotlight on these groups to get more and more attention that they don't deserve. And yes. so it just felt, I didn't think it was necessary. And to me, I just looked at it like, oh, these are just basic gays who don't have a personality, so they live in hashtags. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm like, I, I at first I was like, oh, that's like, I guess that's clever. But then ultimately I thought about it and to your point, it's like, well, you're just, all you're doing is bringing more attention to the Proud Boys and you're doing it in a way that's, I mean, ultimately it's like, what is your, what is your like lasting hope with it? What is the ultimate goal with this? If Is the goal to like turn Proud Deflate Boys- Deflate a movement yeah. by and, hashtagging and it to death? It and, doesn't and if, seem likely. Yeah, and if they're not, if they're not outwardly homophobic, which, Believe it or not, I don't think that's what their 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 uh, platform is necessarily. It's more about like chauvinism yeah. and all this stuff. But ultimately, it's like I don't. I think it's like the same thing as sort of like flaccid activism that just kind of, you know, sort of uh, uh, lives in a v- weird version of yeah, narcissism. Very that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not yeah, bad. It's just like yeah, right. it's not bad. Yeah, there's just there's there's a lot of times that like people take you know take to social media and they think. I think we all, you know, as I've said a million times, you 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 fall into the the tricks that social media plays, which is that it's real life and that it's powerful, and and you know I see this all the time. People are like let's hashtag let's show so and so what's what, and you're like so and so doesn't matter. No one's reading. Like it does. Well, it kind of. Well, what's this? Yeah, what's it gonna? What's this gonna? What is what's, it what's do? it going to yeah, Well, and it also right? kind of gets back into the whole like group sort of following the leader mentality and yeah, that like think, yeah. that, that if everyone's doing it, it's like when we turned our, our on Instagram during the black lives matter, the height of the black lives matter movement and the yes. protest with George, uh, that, that the, you turn it black, you're this, the, the black, black screen, screen. You, you post, post a black, black screen. screen. Yeah. And to fuck with the to algorithm, fuck with the algorithm and take and away. The intent yeah. was very good. The intent was to put a focus on Black Lives Matter and to not necessarily draw attention to yourself and whatever you're doing for that day. But it actually had a reverse effect because it flooded sort of activists who desperately needed the information to be out there with just sort of black Instagram posts, just you know, blank Instagram posts. And it it did the opposite of what it was intended to do. And I kind of feel in a way that this is similar in that like. These people don't deserve attention. I don't like. I don't even want to say their names. I mean, and I guess in some way we're kind of doing the same thing by even talking about it. Like, I just, yeah. it's, it's 
they're just a shitty group of chauvinist piece of shit assholes who live in a world that doesn't exist anymore and they're so afraid that their dicks are getting so small that they can't actually like exist in an authentic way with humanity so they have to be these assholes mm-hmm. they really are honestly like in reading about the gavin mcginnis they really are, yeah gavin mcginnis from yeah. vice it is truly some of the most bone chilling stuff because they hate the way they their hatred and vitriol towards women is so um it runs so deep and it's just like i mean as uh, you know it might sound like a soundbite now but like they just represent the toxicity of masculinity yep. at its peak yep. and you just they're just the worst they're just they're the just worst. so afraid it's, they're so afraid of yeah, yeah. so afraid yeah. well, fuck them fuck them <laughs> <laughs> Stay proud. <laughs> Although Elliot's Great. lining up to like fuck one of them, like Elliot. <laughs> well, not after you said. Not after you said they have small dicks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Not even joking. Okay. Well, we are joined uh, this week. Who are by... we joined by? <laughs> My good friend, an extremely talented improviser who's toured with Second City. He's an actor as well who played Sheldon's therapist on Young Sheldon, Ooh. and of course. Harvard of the Midwest, University of Michigan grad, John Hartman. John, <laughs> friend of John. college. John, thanks so much for joining us. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me, guys. I'm a fan of the pod. Whoa. First time caller, but big fan. <laughs> right. uh, I'm surprised you can still stomach Brent's voice after all these years. Mm. Uh, I, it's, it's sort of, I've had, I'm so used to it, it's sort of like a numbing uh, effect. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's what you I use for anesthesia. Did you know each other? Were you friends in college? Yes. Well, yeah. Yeah. We, we, we met from oh, freshman year, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We met doing stand up, uh, like around uh, Greater Metropolitan Ann Arbor, Michigan, mm. and yeah, John was like one of my like, I I guess I had a few friends from college, but like I have a, I had a few very close friends and like everything else. Like I I don't know remember a single other soul, but like six people from college. Same. I and and Brent was also my. Uh, compatriot to the gay bars most of the time right the necto yes i know you've talked about that on on the pod We've before certainly talked about out bar <laughs> au with an umlau t bar which is umlau. Closed. umlau we went to necto uh which was the like a gay dance night they had a gay dance night on fridays which was like i mean the sort of like the the preeminent like gay experience for me were you guys like did you get to experience each other's sort of like get because i always say being gay makes you like your your adolescence is pushed you know at least to college so right. i wonder if you guys had to ex- got to experience each other's like awkward years <laughs> yeah did brent ever wear a tube top when you went out <laughs> or was he wearing all pink at that point oh yeah <laughs> oh you had a pink t-shirt brent for sure <laughs> I, had a, I had a bunch of uh, that was like college oh my was like God. my pink shirt phase <laughs> <laughs> Before American Apparel, even. They all said Power Bottom. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, John, do you remember what I was like? Like, what was I like in in college? And then we'll... (laughs) You're asking your friend what you were like. Well, no, I mean, because, like, I have my own memories of, like, what I was like. But, like... What was I like? (laughs) you, You specifically choose... Well, you forget. You, you, you do forget. You forget. You, know? yeah. you also can't know exactly who you are. Right. Yeah. But like, John, you were there. I mean, what was Brent like? Well, uh, okay, I'll try not to parse words. I think <laughs> we, I remember very clearly um, many a night going to Brent's 
place first to right. pregame. Sure. Right. Oh. And, he's and known then, for that. <laughs> now he's just pregaming. Um, <laughs> but I and and I remember we would we would really like work ourselves up to go out because I think yeah. in a similar way like we really wanted to go out and experience these gay bars and yeah. also didn't have that much experience in it. Yeah. And for me especially. But so it took a little like working up and then I remember Brent and I being kind of people that would go into the bar and would kind of like linger on the sides for a long time. <laughs> right. Um, essentially like making snide comments about everyone, which right. really goes over like gangbusters. Right, <laughs> yeah. right, right. In a gay bar. Right. Um, when you come in with the energy of like a screaming toddler. Right, uh, like right. No, no one wants to like come talk to you because there's people like in the corner like making comments about everyone. Making snide comments. And I also remember when I would, sorry if I cut you off, but I remember I would get drunk and I would dance goofy. I would like goofily dance. Cause I thought like that was like cool to do. Oh, wait. Everyone like, was dancing you, for the real. You, the way uh, you dance, like when you make a joke yeah. and you lift your arms in the air and yeah. close yeah, your yeah, eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah. similar to that. Yeah. It was a little different, but very similar. Yeah, like, we have it down. Kind of like openly mocking dancing, mm -hmm. and it also didn't go over very well I like well how a dance mocking dancing has become your signature dance. It is the <laughs> one that people see you for. Well, it is always fun to, to watch at a bar because, uh, and John, I don't know if you'd agree with this or experience it this way, but it's always fun to watch Brent make fun of people dancing at a gay bar where people are dancing because I wonder, I just want to like gouge, uh, gauge the room to see who even picks up on the fact that it's like an ir ironic or it's a detached joke right. and no one ever picks up on it. I was going to say, I think it's like about, it's about 0% of the people that would pick zero. up on that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Pretty, pretty <laughs> Every zero. Yeah, pretty strong zero. Yeah, zero times... Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Alan. My favorite thing about Brent at a bar is you'll be talking, you'll turn away for a second, and then you'll turn around and he's kind of gone. But like he's just <laughs> doing this round of like looking <laughs> for someone, but then he'll come back 10 minutes later sure. and he hasn't left, but he'll looking make the round. Someone. So it's like you're at the bar with Brent, but you're not always at the bar. You're not real. Brent. I'm not really <laughs> present. <laughs> I, I, I call you Elliot a few times and I just leave. I had a friend yeah, yeah, once, yeah. I had a friend who wasn't my friend at the time, but. Brent and I used to go years ago when I think maybe when Brent first moved to LA to Rage and yeah, we had Rage. we would have political conversations on the patio at Rage oh, yeah. which is now closed here in Los Angeles because right. of the pandemic but a friend of mine the first time he ever saw me I wasn't friends with him then was you and I fighting over politics and his first image was like <laughs> you were fighting with this guy at Rage <laughs> and I was like oh that's my best friend Brent <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> he was like your friends it didn't seem that way <laughs> I will say I have a, a forgive me if I'm telling tales out of school Brent but my, one of my favorite moments of you wandering around a gay bar and mm. then eventually outside was you had your eye on this guy for a while and you could not talk to him or anything but you'd circled him like uh, any yep. classic suitor does yeah. <laughs> and we got outside I think it had closed like you'd been you'd been pursuing for so long that yep. the bar had closed oh, and yeah. so we got outside and he started to walk away, um, like down a dark alley. And you go, John, should I follow that guy down the dark alley? <laughs> and I, I said, I think you just answered your own question. I remember yeah. that clear um, as day. That's one of my favorite interactions I had with you. You were, because John is so funny and he's so quick. 
like any good improviser. And I remember you were like, I think you just answered your own question, Brent. What are you talking about? <laughs> you follow him down an alley, what? But Did I do remember, oh, go, go ahead, Ali. I'm just curious if like Brent, you had the same, and I, I, this is not just you, but in general, I always wonder like, did you have a similar uh, collegiate experience where you're earnestly going to the LGBT center, like looking for friends or bonds or like pamphlets or whatever? Like, did you have, did you follow a similar trajectory as Brent at the time, even before you met? Actually, yes. It's, I mean, when I got to college my freshman year, I remember emailing the LGBT center yes. and saying, I, I said, by the way, I, I, it was something like, hey, um, I am curious because there, there's a possibility I, I maybe, I, it's not for sure yet, but I maybe might possibly be bi. And, and I, I, I'm just curious about like information and they were pamphlets. Like, yeah. Do you guys have pamphlets at all? They were, they were so nice. And they're like, come by. And I remember talking to a guy there who was so nice. I remember this guy, Frederick. Um, and he gave me pamphlets and stuff. And then I, Brent didn't actually do, I don't think went this far, but I, he said, we have a coming out group that mm. meets weekly for a whole um, semester. And I was like, I don't know if that's my thing. Um, again, I'm really not sure yet. And uh, he was like, you can come once and see if you like it. And if, if not, if it's not for you, you don't have to stay. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And I was very nervous about all of this at the time. And I remember going the first week, and it was me and 13 girls. Oh, it was, wow. <laughs> it was all lesbians and lesbians-to-be. And I, I remember after being like, I really don't know like if this is the right fit for me. And yeah. it was, again, Frederick said, come one more time and see if you like it. And I ended up coming every single week and yeah. went for oh, wow. a semester. And I, wow. I, I loved it, actually. I, I went to a, I went to the LGBT center at NYU very clearly. I remember going, for also like you guys, very earnestly, and it literally was like going to like Lilith, Lilith Fair, you know. Right, it was yeah. like this is. I mean, I would love to stay, but I just right. don't feel like I'm wanted. I don't think here. my college had a LGBT center. Well, you hated your college. I you did hate yeah. my college, but I had my LGBT center in high school. I had like the the youth group that I was part yeah, of. Yeah, like you had a, a wildly liberal high school in yeah. St. Louis. Right. Yeah. I would bet DePaul University in the middle of Chicago. I'm had sure. But... I'm sure they did. I just, I guess, I just didn't need it because I was just yeah. so advanced. Like John, <laughs> like because John, you're from you're from the northern suburbs of Virginia, Correct. and like when you moved to University to go to Michigan, it's a huge school. Is that what you were going for? Were you looking for like that huge collegiate? Like I want to feel lost amongst the sea of people, so that coming out might be a little bit easier. Actually, you know, I, I really didn't. I, I had I traveled very little. I had very, very rarely stayed away from home. I even remember having very bad separation issues when I was younger. Like, yeah, in, same here. Me too. And me too. <laughs> yeah. I, in high school, like, I maybe it was middle school, there was like a church thing I was involved in at the time, and there was going to be an overnight. And I, like, an hour before the overnight, I had worked myself so into a tizzy yeah. oh, wow. that I, I, I like was screaming about not wanting to go. And finally my mom was like, okay, I guess <laughs> it's gonna melt your world where you don't have to go. So I didn't oh my God. Up. So when I went to Michigan, it was a, it was kind of a big deal. Like to, I had, I was like prepared to go in state and then, but the, the bigness of Michigan was actually not a plus for me. I kept trying to make Michigan smaller. Like oh, I was in, yeah. you know, I was in the music school when I went, um, 
initially, and that was like a very small campus off of the central campus. So I felt like I was trying to make it small and seem like a conservatory or something. Right. I didn't. I I was scared that it would feel so big. Actually, when did you yeah. get over that? It always fascinates me. People who like have those issues and then they get over it and blossom. Like, or did you have you ever gotten over? Uh, never. It? <laughs> okay, never. <laughs> I think I'm. I think I'm over it now. I really. I do enjoy like uh, new experiences and that kind of thing. But I think it was. I think it was having to, to do. Th- I. I would credit it with going to college and throwing myself into yeah. something mm. so different than what I was used to. That like ripping the bandaid off kind of helped from there on out. I'd say. I actually remember very distinctly. I went. I did a week in D.C. as a lot of people do in eighth grade, and I remember crying like a lot, like having to hide it. And I also remember feeling really homesick if I, I I would like visit a friend who lived in Europe. And even in high school, towards the end of high school, I would visit him and I would get really homesick after like Mm. a week. And I was like, you got to fucking, you know, you got to beat this man. You can't like, (laughs) you can't spend your whole life living in your parents' basement. And I think it was just like ripping the bandaid off going to college. It was like, I finally got over it. I wonder if that has, because I feel like, I mean, a lot of my friends, like gay friends specifically, were like so eager to be away from their family all the time. Like I was one of those kids where I was like, I can be a foreign exchange student for a year. Sign me up. I want to be gone. And I did it. And like, and I wonder if there is, it's so interesting, the different types of sort of like queer experiences and how you would, you would think being at home maybe wouldn't, you wouldn't want to be at home. You'd want to go out and explore gay stuff. But even exploring the gay stuff is so scary. It's, it's really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And so, oh, go ahead, Elliot. Oh, I was going to say now you got you and Brent actually worked together after college in your first um, your first like actual grown up job together, right? That's right. Yes, that's right. Was yeah. that as much as a nightmare as Brent has described it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was. Like, I don't want to disparage the the company. It's just like that corporate culture was not right for me. Right. Um, and I was so I, I started as an assistant project manager and then I was a project manager. Right. Um, and there is just something about I remember I mean, I I know there's differences between creative people and non creative people that are mm-hmm. I feel are truly like baked into your DNA. You're hardwired a certain way, probably not to be able to be changed. But and I think I just remember being at events at this company. Should, am I allowed to say the name of the company? Yeah, yeah, certainly. I think they've even changed the name. It was called <laughs> E-Prize. Um, and I remember being at like events like parties or uh, uh, holiday parties or something where people would get up and talk passionately. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they were like almost in tears about how much they yeah. loved the company. And I, I would just staring like blank faced like, you love yeah. the, this? The, the company this much? <laughs> yeah. like, you're like worked up to the point of crying about a, a company, about marketing and advertising. My favorite was we had a COO at the company who once gave a speech. So E-Prize made like online promotions. So, but they were kind of shitty ones. So I always say it's, it was a little bit better than this, but like, remember those loud ads on MySpace pages mm-hmm. that would like get you to click on them? Like, and then they take you to another page. Like we basically made those. And the COO once said he wanted to impact the life of every single human being on the planet with our promotions. What? And like, and the CEO was like, 
like a young guy and he like would play guitar and so he would oh no you know he'd like riff like like we would have these like these like powwows like for, like everyone would get like a hotel room for a weekend or something and like things would start off with him like riffing on his guitar and everyone's like man he's so cool and then he would like fire 10 percent of the workforce like the next week you know? i like, wonder i wonder if that like because that like that whole like corporate kumbaya like we're all a family thing that must have been like a business school thing that was popular in the 80s yeah, and 90s because so. like i mean i know for at least like any creative job i've ever had it's always been like, well, this is going to end after six months. Yes, so like, exactly. We're not right. a family. We're here for exactly. six months. We're doing this and we're moving on. The like, exact, I, that is correct. I have it my friends everyone, and I have my work. Yes. Everyone was trying to copy like a Google lifestyle too. Yes. And yes. I remember the office being like wild colors, like uh, lime green and purple. Purple and, like, and green. <laughs> and like our desks, like our desks were like eggplant shaped. They weren't normal uh, shapes. So you would like be like, like, cause that I, it was more fun that way. They really want to be like a dot com, like hip startup, it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. Wait, John, I have to ask you because, like, Brent teased this at the beginning, and I'm, I've been like sitting on my hands, just biting, like, one dying to ask you. So, like, you went from having a shitty corporate job to now doing something with Lifetime movies, which I am personally obsessed with, which means now I'm obsessed with you. So, I need to know everything you're doing with Lifetime. I, I lately have been writing. Hallmark Channel and Lifetime movies. Oh my I mean, God, does it get any better than with that? You. I mean, he's literally like a, he's like a celebrity. You're like, living my is... dream. You're living my dream. <laughs> I didn't know that I had my uh, my key demo right here. <laughs> right here. Wait, are you are you writing stuff for Candace Cameron Bure? <laughs> no, I mean, not, it's possible. Like, I'll say the last one that I wrote. Um, it was very close to. She was signed on. She was ready to do it, and then said. She couldn't do it because she had to take her vacation. Oh. Was um, Jody Sweeten? Oh, oh wow! Who is? Oh, wow. If you can't get Candace Cameron, Beret, you gotta get Jody. <laughs> I would love to have Jody. Wait, so no, anyone wait, wait, listening? Let... Anyone listening knows that there's two types of Hallmark and Lifetime movies. What What do you specialize in? So that's very right, Alan. There's the thrillers and the rom-coms, and I am in the rom-com yes. category. Now, does that mean, if you, if you don't mind my asking, does that mean you're writing like faith-based, like Christian stuff? No, great question. Um, and I don't know that I would be able to do that. Uh, I, 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 I can only fake it so hard. Like, cause it's legit, you know, the, I, I will say like, unlike some of you guys, like I was not, I did not watch these movies that much. I definitely knew about them. I'd seen several of them. Um, I even did an improvise at UCB, um, Myself and Ashley Ward, uh, who's an improviser as well, uh, in this group, Baby Wants Candy, that I'm a part of, she and I did, an, uh, we've done it a couple times, uh, an improvised Hallmark musical, a two-person oh, wow, show. Oh, right. wow, um, And it was a lot of fun. But, I, yeah, I used to coach a woman who was, she used to work at the Hallmark Channel, and <laughs> she came up to me uh, at one point and said, I know you're a writer, too. I actually just moved to this production company where I'm in charge now of development and we make movies exclusively to sell to Hallmark, Lifetime, and Netflix. Wow. And, and she's, uh, she's in the rom-com division, uh, mostly, right. yeah. Uh, and she, so the first one that I wrote, she, it was actually, they gave me a title and what? A, a log line, or, which is, uh, for people oh. that don't know, like a one or two sentence description of what it is. They were like, we have this concept already approved in-house. Um, would you be able to write this? And I had to send some samples of stuff that was so not even like 
the, their typical movies. Yeah. And they're like, great, yep, great. that's fine. Um, <laughs> You're literate, then, great. <laughs> but then, um, yeah, they were like, would you write this one? I said, sure. Um, and it's kind of like knowing the movies, and I, d- I definitely did my research, and I read a bunch of their scripts too. Mm. I, I was like, okay, I can do this. And it's sort of like writing as a character. Mm-hmm. Like you're writing for a very specific audience. You, they they like a very specific thing, mm-hmm. and after a while, I kind of got to feel like I knew what buttons to push that way. Yeah, I think it's I think it's so important. Like you brought up something really interesting in that, like, and I think a lot of creators are like struggling with that this right now, or just people in general about like you had this one career, you had this one idea of what you were going to be doing, but you need to be able to like be flexible and do these different things and explore these different areas of your creativity. And that's really awesome that like you kind of leaned into that instead of being just like, I'm just going to be broke Mm -hmm. (laughs) during during quarantine. I could be, I could be proud and broke, or I can say like, you know, there's, there's so many ways to make, uh, have a go at it in this industry. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, and to answer what you had asked a little bit earlier, Elliot, like there's the hallmark one that I did they definitely had um, a lot more restrictions, restrictions, yeah, yeah um, about what to dos and not to dos. Um, Jesus once a page. You had to men- mention Jesus like every other page. Yeah, Jesus, a Jesus entrance oh uh, once a page. <laughs> <laughs> no, there, it, it, zero things about faith. Actually, they um, yeah. Like I, I remember when I was working on that one, it was where there was that weird controversy for a hot second where they were like down on gay people because right. of the, the ads right. on the network. Right. I know you guys talked about this too. Right. Yeah. Um, and then immediately did like a pretty quick reversal on it and have said, I I haven't gotten to do this myself yet, but that they want to do queer stories. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And I put, uh, I did put a queer character in the, the Lifetime one I did recently. Whoa! That's great. Snake it in the who queer. Pl- who, played, who played the queer character? <laughs> Well, this is the one that I just I'm writing right now. Is it Tori so. Spelling? Oh, wow. Is it Tori Spelling? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Please say it's Tori Spelling. So wait, John, I, I also know uh, you're uh, single, like 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 myself right now, and and so how what's it been like like using the apps and date like because you I think we're single throughout all of coronavirus. So how's that been going? Yeah, it's um, I don't think that it's great. I like <laughs> <laughs> I, I I was like very nervous about them i didn't use them at all during the beginning of this and then kind of kind of got back on um and there have been people that i I feel like for a while were really active on them i feel there's there was like a bit there was a swing period where people really weren't it was like they really weren't giving it their all on there yeah yeah right i was gonna say um (laughs) um, imagine i i did go on uh i went on it i will say uh i don't want to so I won't say names or anything, but I went on yeah. a date with somebody who I didn't realize till I got on the date was an anti-masker. Right. Oh. right. The odds. Oh. The odds. Tell us about that. No, please. Like, what was that date like? I could not. I honestly couldn't I believe that, that it it would have gone that way. Um, he seemed like, like a, a nice guy, um, but we didn't, you know, we didn't set enough ground rules, I realized later, like that maybe we should wear a mask at least at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but like we, we were going to meet at a coffee shop that was still um, had a patio service outside. <clears throat> and I was like, we'll go and we'll, um, we'll, we'll have coffee there. And then maybe we'll go for a walk and we'll, 
walk around the Larchmont Village area. Oh, that sounds and of course, lovely. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and, and of course, we'll wear masks at that point. And he, at the date, he goes, oh, I actually, you can wear one if you want, but I don't wear them. I don't. Oh, my and I, God. And I, and I really wanted to, you know, I wanted to be open-minded about maybe why, but it was right. so clear early on that his reason was, I just don't think the science is there on them. Oh, oh wow. Right. I started to lose it a little. Right. And then partway through the date, he also revealed to me that he had legitimately just gotten off of a plane from New York City. Oh my right, God. Right. That day <laughs> and hadn't told me. I'm um, sweating. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, I got a little sick to my stomach. Um, and I was, I, I thought I was in like imminent danger. <laughs> right. But, right. Um, and I, I, I Sort of made an excuse a little bit later and uh, and and got out of there. Did you get right. tested you, the next day? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 just so it's so funny to think of like what are the odds that in a time like this, yeah, that someone in Los Angeles who you know see, oh, for all other intents a and purposes person. seemed like a smart per, like yeah. a smart person would show up and be like, oh, the science isn't there. <laughs> Sorry, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was it, it was really rough um and that put so that like set my uh, progress yeah. back a, a few months there of trying yeah. to get out there i've had i've had this thing recently with the dating apps where i've been using i've been hinging and i've been chatting i've been doing zoom dates which is like <clears throat> at first i was really annoyed about it but then i kind of was like hey you know it's actually cheaper it's cheaper it's faster <laughs> it's easier to like get like uh, a handle on what you think of someone mm -hmm. and but i've also sort of eased into this like Granted, we've established that I'm an insecure guy and all this stuff, body sure. dysmorphia, et cetera. But like, I really don't feel comfortable meeting someone right now because I just don't look like I normally look. Mm. And it's it, it was different when I was in a relationship with someone who didn't care, but it's it's like really kind of hard. And all of a sudden I'm like, I don't know if I want to meet someone right now. This is, I just don't feel comfortable in my own skin. Have you felt that at all, John? Yeah, I, so early in, in the quarantine too, I started to do this show for the streaming channel Topic, very small right. channel, mm -hmm. but like with Second City. Second City started to do a show called The Last Show Left on Earth that was shot remotely, and we, we had a host and a musical guest every week, and we did it for a few weeks. But I realized, oh, I have to be on camera now, and it was a time like no one had gotten a haircut in like right. months oh, at that point. Right. <laughs> and I started to feel that was my first taste of of uh, uh, like I have to be presentable, yeah. And and luckily that kind of came so early on in it that I have tried, I've been trying really hard to keep a normalization of trying to be presentable, even if I'm not being presented right. anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, like uh, one of my my like late night like impulse buys was an elliptical machine to my <laughs> right. oh wow right <laughs> for you that Hallmark money baby <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I had to, well, no, I had to split it over a couple of cards. Um, <laughs> no, I like, but like, I had to like have it sent here because I didn't, I couldn't pick it up. My car couldn't pick it up. I didn't yeah. realize when I bought it, yeah. I had to get like a task rabbit guy to right. like, bring it in. <laughs> yeah. I had to build it from scratch. It, it, it was. Yes. Like, oh no! But I actually love having it now. That's great. Now, be before we let you go, I want you to tell my favorite story about your mom because our parents are very similar. Our dads are both like like military. Our moms are kind of very classically like warm, you know, sweet mom types. But please tell the the Christmas mom present oh, story. Do you know that one? I think I I, I think so. Yeah. So my mom had been asking for 
a long time. <laughs> like she, like this is when I was living at home about getting a carbon monoxide detector for the house, <laughs> right. um, and she really wanted it, and she was ta- she would like whine about it honestly, uh, <laughs> and so she, we got it. I got her one for Christmas um, that year, and uh, like a day or two goes by, then a week or so goes by, it's still sitting out um, <laughs> on the table. And my, I said, Mom, I don't want to push this, but like you've been, you asked for this for so long, and it's still sitting out, and you haven't put it up yet. And my mom just kind of like whipped around and goes, John, I've got a lot on my plate right now. <laughs> I have to say, when, just when plug him in, that's all it is. You just plug oh it my in. God. When, when Brent put the note about your mom down and I was, I was doing some research on you beforehand. And one of the pictures in the Google image search is a picture of Phil Hartman. And I literally for a moment thought, oh my God, what if he's Phil Hartman's son? And we're oh asking a horrible question about your murderous <laughs> oh my mother. God. Oh I no. literally had a moment of oh like, my God. Oh my God! <laughs> thank God you're not. I mean, you know, God rest. Uh, well, yeah. John, thank you so much for joining us. This was amazing. Uh, so always so good to, to chat with you and chat with another like-minded gay man. Where can people find you online? Oh, thank you guys. Um, you can follow me. I think uh, on Instagram at uh, at John L Hartman is the best yeah. place. Oh, and what was the name of your uh, Hallmark movie that people? Yeah, could, I can't wait to perhaps watch. look up. Well, the first one that has already is is done. Uh, they changed right. the title. Actually, it was called My Birthday Boyfriend. Um, <laughs> it's now called My Birthday Romance. Um, oh it's, yes, it's there was <laughs> something about like gender right now. Who needs gender? Yeah, Very they fair. gave they gave me some song and dance about how like uh, internationally boyfriend might not try. It might sound too young. It, it's like a, it's like a term that doesn't mean the same thing, uh, yeah. so they changed it. But it has aired in Canada, um, and it's I think it's going to come out here next year. That's, that's, oh, that's, oh my god, so amazing! Cool. I can't wait to watch it. John Hartman, thank you so much. Thank for joining you, John. Us. Thank Thanks, you, guys. And another thing. So we are in Los Angeles, where COVID numbers are hitting record lows. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, they're the Unlike the rest virus of the country. Is, yeah, the far yeah. from over nationally, internationally. And it's getting but worse internationally. It I mean, is. Yeah. It is. And we're apparently, you know, going to hit more spikes, especially as winter approaches and people are inside. Um, but with that all being said, I just figured I would check in to see um, how you guys are doing. Just, in just a chat COVID. Sense. Just chat COVID. <laughs> yeah. Just how you're feeling in a larger sense, because, uh, you know, ultimately, like we've been listening, we've been recording COVID times for what feels like forever mm-hmm. and at first it was obviously so so unknown everything was so unknown but you know here we are months later and so I'm wondering how you've sort of settled into the yeah uh, the, the into the, the routine of it all yeah, yeah um well you know and so at this point like you were you were asking like whether we've like adjusted our limits yeah. on travel and social distancing so you know, I haven't. Uh, I'm. I think we've talked about this before. I'm. I'm the kind of guy that I. I. I go out a lot. Still, not a lot, but like I go to Ralph's whenever I want. I just wear a mask and shit. Um, and so, you know, I'm very, very eager to like when the gyms reopen. I think I will. I will go back to the gym. Um, but the one thing that like keeps getting me is that like um, uh, I keep reading some random article out of the blue, like right before I'm like ready to go back, you know, I'm like, once the gym's open, I'll be there the next day. 
and I was I was just reading the article about the mental fog that some yes the mental fog also a small number of people have experienced but like the headline from this article was quote I feel like I have dementia right and it was from like that. a 31 year old nurse in the New York Times and I was like yes. God fucking damn yeah. it. I don't want that so you know that's been that's been uh, a huge part of it for me is that like. I mean, I understand, just as a writer, I understand the need to communicate what's going on, and I think we need this information mm -hmm. out there. But that said, at the end of every, like, newscast on, like, CNN, although I'm I'm so sad people are losing their lives, I don't, I have to, I turn, off, I turn it off when it switches to sort of the in-memoriam section that's become now the new regular at the end of every right. newscast, because it's just, it puts me into an anxiety an anxious place that I just can't exist mm -hmm. within and I can't leave my apartment. So I literally right now cannot leave my apartment. Yeah. So like it's, there's this anxiety that, that just builds and builds. And for me, I mean, I, we were, well, until just a couple of weeks ago, we were, we were doing the things that we needed to be doing. You know what I mean? Going to the grocery stores. We weren't doing anything crazy. Like, I can't mm -hmm. even think of a crazy thing we would do, but we weren't doing anything crazy. Yeah. We weren't even really hanging out with people. I mean, the only people that we've really ever seen were from a distance. And then we had um, a recent scare where someone we knew came, that we came in contact with very briefly, was tested positive. Yeah. And then it was a domino effect of people who were tested positive. And we fortunately tested negative, but we had to quarantine and we're now in the middle of it, quarantining. And it's, it's, um, yeah. it's, definitely, it's definitely a weird time for us it's just like because mm -hmm. we, we you were feeling like a little bit normal and then now you can't be normal again and it's uh it just sort of put us all back and it's just depressing it's just a bummer you yeah, know and i is. and the only thing i really want to be d doing is to be able to record in person <clears throat> with you guys and there's just no safe way to do that right yeah i can't i i still at this point like i'm uh I'm consider I'm considerably impressed when I stop and think about how um, it is a bizarre it is bizarre that we as humans have adjusted very quickly to wearing masks outside all of the mm -hmm. time, mm -hmm. and that we've adjusted very quickly to living without businesses really functioning without a lot of normalcy. And I'm in a sense I'm like impressed. I really am impressed by that. That as a as on the whole we're all doing this thing that we never would have expected in our lifetime ever and so that's as huge as that is it's 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 and and wild as it is i'm in awe of do of you know living that yeah. way with that being said i personally am like you know very active and so i'm just like this i'm incredibly incredibly fastidious i wash my hands and use the disinfectant all the time yeah. um but i'm trying to like find that that balance between you know Hermity. I don't want to hermit. I can't hermit. I have to be active every day, but I also yeah, will not too. put myself in like dangerous positions and I won't. But you started going to the gym, right? You drive to the yeah. OC? Yes, I drive to the to Orange County really? to go to the gym. Wow. Yeah, I'll go like times <laughs> a week. That's like 40 miles, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but I go with like my own um, bact uh, antibacterial, whatever, the disinfectant. And I'm just like, I, I am just incredibly fastidious and everyone else there is too but like you know i flew recently to go see my family and i'm just right. like look at this point i'm at the i'm at a place personally where i'm like i'm going to do literally everything i possibly can in every scenario to be clean and not touch my face and keep my mask on consistently yeah but you know it's like it's a weird balance and and 
I don't know. I just, I, I think I also want to like, I always kind of want to stay um, yeah. cognizant of everybody in my germ circle yeah. and yeah. being protecting myself for everybody in my germ circle. I also noticed this the last like month or so. I've started getting mad at everyone in power, which is to say, not that I think anyone uh, has done anything fundamentally wrong in California, but I've, and I will always value the science over you know, one's desire to go back to, you know, wet seal or whatever at the mall or something. But, um, when but have I, you I been found in myself getting seal? mad. <laughs> well, wet seal actually did go under uh, like a year ago. So I've been to wet seal in a while, but I've walked past a bunch of them in malls. If you've ever been to a mall, you've walked past a wet seal. I don't think anyone's ever actually gone in, but I've started getting mad. And like, I just like, it's, I, yeah, I, I'm just frustrated. I, I think the way we handled things in Los Angeles wasn't perfect. But, you know, when bad things happen, much like when the economy tanks, you blame the president. When bad things happen, you blame the people in power, even if it's not directly their fault. And so I would never vote for a Republican, of course, but I would I, I might vote for some primary opponents just because I, I don't know. I just fe I feel like there are there have been times where we've been a little bit um, mm -hmm. too slow and like we were just talking on the pod before we started recording, like I, I think LA in particular was too slow at like being business friendly mm -hmm. while while also allow you know following the regulations of health professionals, but like you know they should have shut down all parking spots yeah. in you know I mean in March and said you know business you know restaurants can have their tables yeah. on the sidewalks and people walking whatever I just I wish they had been this more year proactive. in particular both with COVID and with the Black Lives Matter movement and sort of the social justice uprising that has been long overdue, I think has sh has really shined a spotlight on the importance of voting in local elections and how much is decided by your local leaders, city council, city commissioners, mayors. I mean, I, not so much with COVID, but with Black Lives Matter, I was so furious at Eric Arisetti, our mayor here in Los Angeles, and how he handled it and how he worked with the police, even though they're, its own, they're their own beast here in Los Angeles. And I don't think I'll ever vote for Eric Arisetti again. I don't, I don't think I ever could. Mm -hmm. I hope Biden nominates him for some position if Biden wins, just because I want him out of Los Angeles and I want someone else in yeah. there to really do a job, do their job and not just be a, a news conference mayor. Yeah. yeah, I can't. That's so funny because I was thinking the opposite where... Um, not not about our study, but the idea that like you get mad at people in power, and I'm just like furious at people who defy the rules, who don't wear masks, who don't care about germs, who don't care about science. And to me, outside of like the, the Black Lives Matter movement and social justice really hitting a peak this year, I just feel like I I don't blame government and leadership as much as I blame these idiots who have yeah. doubled down in their idiocy. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. like Trumpers all the way, you know, doubling down in just- Democrats too. Yeah, you know, absolutely. For sure. but, yeah. but doubling down in this like idiocy and this sort yeah. of um, resentment of like authority, reality, and science. They're, they're, I blame them. Here's, here's what I'll say. I would never uh, support or defend someone who doesn't wear a mask. But I get, like, I've started to understand the rage totally. from the people who want to open up faster than I think science will dictate. Um, but, like, I've started to be more sympathetic to their 
their freakouts. And they usually, they usually live in communities that are a little bit more open than Los Angeles, yeah. uh, although not always. I think they're everywhere. But like, I get, like, I've started to be like understanding why they're so yeah. mad. There's a national exhaustion. Well, there's a exactly. national exhaustion, but there's also like an economic exhaustion <clears throat> because, you know, we yeah. live in a state where, I mean, there's a lot of people hurting in California, but we have these social barriers that are set up to protect people. Whereas in a lot of states, like, I mean, in Michigan, I even know that there are there are certain like the the state government's blocking the governor from doing a lot of things. In Missouri, How in Missouri, you, you have people who <laughs> aren't getting the resources they need to be able to thrive. And so I get why they want to go protest yeah. without a mask and they want to open up because it's their livelihood. They're it's gone right now. Yeah, and exactly. And that's exactly. a when, protecting your family is such a guttural fundamental thing that. Yes. Will, Protecting and providing exactly. for your family. And I exactly. totally, 1,000% yes. get it. Just so I get it. it. Don't be a fucking idiot. Yes. <laughs> but like, I also, I understand the, you know, the exasperation. Mm -hmm. Alan, just promise me you're not going to try to kidnap Garcetti. Well, I want to, <laughs> and then I want to make out with him. I want to kiss him real oh, slow. That's a curveball. What would, what would your, your aunt, aunt say? Brent, what would your aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show? I've I've gone to some Proud Boy rallies. They make a lot of good points. <laughs> oh no. Oh my God. My aunt Joanne would probably say, when is Hallmark gonna do a movie for Jews? <laughs> <laughs> how about Aunt my Anne? My aunt Anne would say, how dare you suggest that they take Jesus out of Hallmark? <laughs> uh, how dare you? <laughs> oh my god well thanks That's for great. listening everybody have a great week <laughs> what what i don't know i don't know i don't know just say your know. name just say it. <laughs> it's elliot my name is elliot <laughs> he's elliot i'm brent and i'm h allen scott oh you did all three you i have to i have a brand